Hello and thank you for joining us. My name is Carl Loren Cervantes. I'm a researcher and lecturer with a very special interest in Philippine folklore and the psychology behind it. In this episode, I will be discussing the harmony of nature, spirit, and kapwa in the context of healing. We can't remove ourselves from context. The individual is always part of a historical and social context. Who I am and who you are is part of this larger thing. You, we are part of something that moves and transforms through time. And we can't be removed from the world because we are part of it. Eh? So we've been made to believe for, the, for, for years, for centuries, that we are unique and special as a species. And then going beyond that, like uh, unique and special as individuals. Because for some reason, our distinction of our own supremacy is that we are separate from the environment. And so we can control the environment. The concept comes also from the idea that God is beyond the world. If there is this world the creation, and then there's God, the creator. And so there's a distinction between uh, someone who can control everything versus something that is created. And I think this also extends to the modern metaphors of uh, the earth or the world being a simulation, like a computer simulation. Because what that implies is if this were a computer simulation, then there are uh, interdimensional beings beyond this world, beyond this realm. And those interdimensional beings are way more real than we are. And they are higher on the, you know, the hierarchy of uh, spiritual uh, reality. Why? Because they're separate from the world. They're separate from this simulation. They're beyond the simulation. And our fear that this is, we are in fact trapped in this world, in this, you know, fake uh, simulated reality, it, it reflects an anxiety that we have that we are not actually special as a species. <laughs> so you have all these ideas that human beings were um, placed here, uh, coming from somewhere else, or that we are actually interdimensional beings having a human experience. The, these ideas really are just, you know, uh, personal rationalizations for our actually limited nature. And, you know, that's the thing, eh? Because that's, that's what usually happens, you know, uh, that's the belief that happens with uh, societies that promote individualism. But in societies that promote... Uh, collectivist, a collectivist approach to the world. It's not actually so scary that we are part of nature. In fact, it's so, it's beautiful that we are part of the world. We are so connected with the earth. We are so connected with the trees, with the rocks, with the mountains, with the sky, with, this, with the seas and rivers. And all these things are filled with spirits. It's all alive. And we recognize that now. I think I think we're starting to realize. I mean, on the on the smallest scale, we are all kind of the same 
you know, material. We are made from the same material as the earth. But we've forgotten that. Eh? I mean, it's it's something, uh, you know, that we've been taught to... Uh, we've been taught to believe some other story, some other narrative about what human beings are supposed to be. We're supposed to be unique. We're supposed to be competing with each other. Right? We're supposed to be uh, better than everyone else. And that's something that is rewarded by society uh, with the ability to consume and to produce and to consume and to produce. And so the cycle goes on and on. So the the spirit, the soul, there's such a hard, you know, hard line between what is physical and what is spiritual. There is that distinction between me and my soul. The, 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 the physical or the physical realm and then there's the spiritual realm, realm which is beyond us. And so for some religions that, that do believe in a world beyond this one, that is the more real one. The one that's beyond the suffering and pain and pleasures of this world. You see, that's still a thing. Eh? So I talked about simulations, but essentially that idea is the same. And that's been like a, you know, a religious concept that there is a spiritual world beyond this physical plane. And that is the more real one. So we should let go of our attachments from of this physical world. And I'm not here to, you know, moralize you or <laughs> tell you what to believe. I'm just saying that I'm just pointing things out that are, you know, interesting to me. That I find to be, you know, you, you kind of think about, hmm, that's that's interesting. So let's let's look at how uh, Filipinos or, or in our indigenous worldview, how we actually see the soul. Because I, I've been saying that the soul is separate from the body, but actually Sa'atin the soul is uh, the spirit spirit and nature or spirit and matter are actually on a continuum there are spirits in nature so and and when i pass away i go back into nature i come from the same material that the earth is made from and i go back to it the the yung sarile the self let's start with this one the self is part of kapwa you and I are part of Kapwa. And we like translating Kapwa as other people, but that actually creates a distinction between me and you. So that's me versus you. You see? So there is that uh, disconnect, Nanaman. And there's always, you know, it, it, there's that individualistic uh, value there of, of still being totally unique. Kapwa does mean uh, other people, but it doesn't mean other people in the sense that it's me versus you. But Kapwa puts the other in the context of everyone else. Kapwa puts me in the context of my other. We are Kapwa. And so there are levels to Kapwa. You can be uh, ibang tao, which is stranger, or hindi ibang tao, which is one of us. And just because you're a stranger... Uh, doesn't mean I can't practice kapwa with you. So makikipagkapwa pa rin ako sa'yo. I, I can still be, I can still practice my sense of kapwa with you. Our sense of shared identity. So kapwa is a kind of shared identity, a kind of collective uh, experience. 
Diba? And so self is part of the context of kapwa. And kapwa is part of the context of mundo. Mundo meaning world. So you can see here, it starts with sarile, going out to kapwa, going out to mundo. And we're all part of this wonderful thing. This whole thing. The soul of the individual, at least as it is expressed in uh, our folk beliefs, is multiple. We have multiple souls. Yan nga yung, di ba, pag uh, sa religion natin, uh, we think that we only have one soul, di ba? Human beings just have one soul per human being. And sometimes pa nga, you know, we reincarnate into multiple beings. And sa atin kasi, there are, there are different souls for the individual. There are multiple. So, you have a, a name for each one. You have the name for an individual's vitality, vigor, and, and energy. You also have a, a soul for a person's conscience. You have a soul for a person's ghost, you know, after they die. And then you have a soul for, uh, you have a name for the soul of a person while they are still alive. Right? When a person is sleeping, this soul can wander around. And they can do their mystical errands. And you'll see that in your dreams. So yun yung paniniwala natin, yung mga panaginip mo, yun yung mga kung ano nung ginagawa nung, <laughs> nung espiritu mo. Diba? If you lose your soul, like kinain siya ng laman lupa or something, or if your soul gets lost, or if your soul gets f- too frightened that it leaves your body, then it could lead to a loss of appetite, and then eventually you pass away. That's the belief. And I want to point out something here, uh, which is that a lot of the terms for the soul comes from the same root word. So let's start with Tagalog. You say kaluluwa. Diba? Kaluluwa uh, comes from the word dua, which is two or double. You see? So the soul is my double. You'll also see this in, in other uh, languages across the country, but of course I can't pronounce them properly. <laughs> I, only know, uh, I only know the Tagalog one. Um, but they, a lot of them come from the same root word, dua. So you'll see it, you'll see it appear in different, in different languages. Right? So the soul, when a person passes away, where does it go? We do have a lot of... Uh, a very complex uh, myths about the afterlife. There's a, there's a Visayan myth about how we cross a stream. So it's usually a voyage, so you're by boat. A lot of these afterlife stories are by boat. Um, so there's, you ride the boat all the way to Mount Kanlaon in, uh, in the Visayas, in the Negros Islands. So you go back to nature. A lot of actually a lot of these um, a lot of these uh, places of rest are mountains. A lot of them are mountains. Um, so it's all about going back to nature. The ancestor spirit is in nature, and w- after some time, you know, you forget the name of the soul, and and memories fade. They become nature spirits. 
That's called anito. It's called uh, anito comes from the word hantu, which is death. It's Sanskrit, I think. Ancestor spirit um, is sobrang fine line niya from ancestor spirit to nature spirit. So when we forget the name of an ancestor, we still treat them with the same respect because you don't know who it is. You don't want to, you know, offend them. And we'll see later on how offending spirits uh, actually cause harm. And these spirits are also nature spirits, right? And so it's so interesting. But how do we, how do we see this? How is this expressed? How is our belief expressed? You've obviously heard this before when you cross a, a forest or, or some you know, unique place. Uh, even if you just want to cross uh, the thick roots of a tree, you say tabi tabi po. Excuse me, I, I'm, I'm going to pass. Please step aside. You're asking for permission to cross because you don't want to step on them or you don't want to bump into them accidentally. I still do that, honestly. Sometimes it's just a compulsion now. <laughs> I I would uh, walk through uh, these trees. I'd still say tabi tabi po. There are you know different alternatives to this uh, in different languages, also in the Philippines. Um, but the one that I know is tabi tabi po. Right? We also don't point at trees. I was taught at a very young age not to point at acacia trees. Because if you point at them, it's rude to the spirit that's living there. And until today, it's still like I still don't point at trees. And whenever I do, I was told to bite my finger. So I, I bite my finger. Um, I don't even know uh, what's in the tree. Um, they say, you know, it's a capre, which is a, which is a, a giant right? living in the tree. But sometimes it's Encanto. Sometimes it's some other spirit. So we, we believe that trees are also the, the home of spirits. They live in the trees, which is why when we build houses or buildings, we build around large trees. Um, sometimes before you cut down a tree, you're going to have to do some kind of ritual, um, which involves a sacrifice to the spirit in the, in the tree so that they wouldn't you know, harm you if you try to cut it down. Or sometimes, you know, they'd, you'd invite a priest to, uh, to bless the tree or to exorcise the spirit from the tree. But the fact remains that we believe that there are these beings in the trees. Even today, we still believe these things. So what's in the tree? What's uh, the spirit in the tree? I said, uh, I, I mentioned the encanto kanina. What's an encanto? Uh, it's in an attractive uh, being. It's described in the literature as um, matangos ang ilong, uh, maputi, saka, uh, you, you know, Caucasian, essentially. And they, they express the, the characteristics of our um, colonizers from before. And that, I think, says something about colonization in the Philippines now but that's a that's a topic for another time it's so interesting because I was I was in um, I was in the Visayas uh, last year I think 
And then I was talking to some people from the farm. And I asked them about the Encanto. Because I've heard a lot about, you know, things happening in the farm. So I asked some of the, the, the locals there. And one of them, a, a few of them actually told me that there was this house uh, wherein this old man lived. But there was another old man who was the caretaker of the house. And this other old man was uh, looked Espanol, looked Span- uh, Spanish. They looked like a like a Spaniard. And that ties in with the with the idea that you know the Encanto are these you know, Caucasian looking um, beings. Usually, they are. Another interesting thing about them is that they are they can get obsessed with a with a mortal. They can fall in love. Mm, yeah, they can fall in love with a mortal, and so when you are courted by an encanto, usually you're gonna go mad. So the madness attached to um, being courted by an encanto could be considered a kind of uh, local form of mental condition or something like that. Encanto are also generous; they can be generous if they like you. Some uh, people might go to you know to actually speak with encantos just to get some kind of power. They are also playful, so if you lose stuff in your house and then you find it after a long search in the place that you first looked for it, then it's probably an encanto. I mean, that's the, that's the folk explanation, of course. Um, they can also shift faces. So uh, they can trick their victim into thinking that they are uh, the friend or, or some, some other person that they know by sh- shifting their faces and turning into that other person. So the Encanto can be seductive, but they can also be very, very dangerous. This is why uh, the folklorist Father Francisco Demetrio said that the Encantos are demonic. Not in the Christian sense, but demonic in the sense that they are inga, seductive and dangerous. That they are, they have some kind of charisma. That they, they uh, inspire the same kind of uh, fascination as we would have for the divine, but also they can hurt you. And this madness, which, uh, which is called the Incanto Syndrome, I was reading this amazing paper by Herminia Menez, wrote about the Incanto Syndrome uh, and looked at it as a mental condition. Because it's so common, eh? Like, remember, I told you, nah, I went to the farm, diba, and I've been asking people there about their you know, encounters with the Encanto. One of them also told me about how uh, one of uh, their sister was courted by an Encanto. And whenever, whenever uh, a boy would try to actually court her, she would go into these unconscious states, and she would you know, go into the, an altered state of consciousness or something. And they would say, no, oh, that's the Encanto. Sinasapian siya ng Encanto. The Encanto was possessing her. And this Encanto syndrome can happen if they are either obsessed with you or you offended them in some way. So they can possess you because they're, you know. Or they can uh, uh, get you, uh, give you some kind of illness or sickness. Ganyan. What happens when a person experiences the Encanto syndrome? 
they start talking to invisible beings in trees. That's that's usually something that happens. And you see this also in in literature eh, of people starting to talk to trees and then something weird happens. Sometimes they would disappear and then reappear somewhere else with no memory of what happened. And these are these are well documented phenomena. Probably just because we're in an urban setting, it's not so common to hear. But uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's something that has always been happening. How do you diagnose the Encanto syndrome? What you, so you you bring them to a folk healer, diba? You bring them to a uh, someone who can deal with the spirit. What does the folk practitioner do? They, first they ask, where did you trespass? Saan ka pumunta? <laughs> Anong ginawa mo? Ba't nangyari yun? Where did you trespass? Did you uh, enter a forest? Did you pee on an anthill? Did you, uh, did you not ask for permission before taking a bath in the river? Did you arrange your garden? Because I know someone who rearranged their garden and then they got sick. Turns out they, uh, there was a duende there <laughs> who didn't like the way they rearranged the garden. So, so what happened, diba? Where did you trespass without asking for permission? That's why I, like, I still say tabi-tabi po <laughs> because I don't want that to happen. Diba? But if we believe in spirits... We also believe in magic. We believe essentially that there are forces beyond us that can uh, affect us in some way. Remember, I said earlier that you know material and spiritual. You know, they're 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 not distinct in the sense that there is a spiritual versus material, but they're kind of on a continuum. And so I can affect other people with uh, my thoughts, my own rituals, and. There's a lot of magic in the Philippines. A lot of them are have been demonized. Uh, a lot of these practices have been demonized. But if you actually speak with folk practitioners, they would say na, they would say yes, it can be either helpful or harmful. And there's a concept of for example, puti at itim, which is white and black, or healing and harming. If you want to know how to heal, you have to know how to harm. Because you don't know how to cure this, this uh, condition if you don't know first how it happens. So may ganun eh. It's a necessary balance. One of the common, uh, the most familiar term, siguro, for, for a lot of Filipinos is the term kulam. Kulam is popularly known as magic done with harmful intention. Something that can hurt you. There are other terms like barang. Uh, and across the country, there are different terms for different kinds of um, uh, ways of doing magic. Um, so this is, something that, this is something that commonly happens also. Right? And... Uh, what happens because of kulam is usually a sudden and mysterious illness. Something that is hard to explain. And you, you know, you, you can hear this from the news. Because eh? So you go to, you read some news about uh, people who were 
the victims of Kulam. And, you know, the way that it's framed in the news is that, you know, there's, there's, this happened, uh, a person got, received a, some, some kind of sudden and mysterious illness, and then they believe, they went to the, the folk uh, practitioner, and, and the folk practitioner told them, oh, kinulam ka. But then they'd go to a doctor and the doctor would say, you know, it's a rare, it's a very rare disease, but a, usually a curable one. But still, just because we can explain through the biomedical model what the illness is, there's still that meaning making of a person, connecting it with uh, uh, someone, a mangkukulam, causing that illness. There is that meaning making between a person getting sick and how it happened. And I'll show you later that it usually comes from guilt, right? But let's, let's stick, to the, stick to this topic muna. Kulam can also happen when uh, an individual is possessed by the mangkukulam. So uh, these beings can also possess people. Uh, just to be clear, because kulam is often translated as witchcraft. And even in the old books ng, uh, that talk about um, these you know, concepts and beliefs, it's usually translated, translated as witchcraft or sorcery. You'll see this. If, if you read the literature, you'll see it's either witchcraft or sorcery. But those actually carry the weight of foreign concepts, of uh, uh, different you know, experiences of the world and different connotations also of what a, a witch is or what a witch, what, what witchcraft is. So if we want to look at this experience by itself, uh, there's so much richness in our you know, way of understanding magic. Another thing that happens when a person is, uh, you know, uh, there are cases where strange things come out of their body, like uh, insects, you know other things there was a there was a news report a few years ago where there was a video was taken of this woman who they say na kinulam daw siya and you know stuff was coming out of their body and then they showed this video to uh, a priest and the priest said you know I can't confirm whether uh whether this is actually a case of that but I can say that uh, if we mess with magic, we, we could get in danger. And so even the priests can, can attest to some kind of spiritual warfare that could be going on. And maybe these are just different metaphors for the same powerful force. Uh, a lot of our exorcists here in the Philippines also recognize the uh, power of encantos and duendes, to possess people. And so that's why they usually categorize all of them as demons. So very interesting. So if a person goes to a, to a folk healer and they have like a, a sudden and mysterious illness, the folk healer would ask, who did you offend? And so that's a connection between a person and another person. Let's go back to Encanto. Remember, a person can get this Encanto syndrome by offending spirits in nature. Now, a person can get kulam, can be a victim of kulam if they offended some other person. Usually, for example, here's, a, here's an example. If a man cheats on their wife, uh, 
the wife could you know get among kukulam to get the husband sick so that you that sometimes happens and so we kulam as a as a form of social control in the sociological perspective you could look at it as a way for us to maintain harmonious relationships right? and so if if the encanto syndrome is us maintaining harmonious relationships with nature kulam could be a form of uh, could be something that informs us that tells us you know you should be nice to people because you don't know if one of them has some kind of mysterious power right? So connection with other people. But then I want to point out one more other term that is related to uh, this concept of illness and healing. And it's called gaba. When I was younger, uh, my mother would always tell me that I shouldn't be arrogant, that I should always respect my elders, that I should always finish my food. Otherwise, gagabaan ka. Gaba is a Visayan term, right? It comes from the, uh, it's a Visayan term. But since, since I was, uh, my mother kasi is from the Visayas also. And I was born in uh, Bacolod City. And so I have this connection with, with the term and all these you know, magical things. Uh, so I know what Gaba is. And it's a kind of divine retribution for breaking social norms. So you do something wrong and you get punished. There's no, uh, there's no specific victim for GABA. I mean, if you do something wrong, it could just be like a, an offense to society or an offense to God. Or you do something, right? Or people do, uh, as a collective, you know, they do bad things and then bahaggabaan sila by like uh, some kind of natural disaster or some huge bad luck that happens to all of them. And, you know, when, when you ask people about GABA and people talk about this term, they would uh, say that, oh, you know, it's like karma. Karma. But here are the differences. Yes, karma is similar to GABA in the sense that both are the result of some kind of action. You do something, something happens because you did that. But in karma, it's an equivalent consequence. You do something and the consequence is equivalent to what you did, right? So you do something good, you are um, rewarded with something of the same weight. If you did something bad, same thing. But with GABA, it's a much worse punishment. It's much, much worse. And for karma, it's a natural cosmic process. There's, it's not that it's neutral, it's just a natural way of you know, doing things. It's the process of the universe, the check and balance. But GABA is an offense against God, against spirits. So there's that personalistic aspect. There's a, there's a being that uh, uh, punishes the person with GABA. I know. When I was younger, I, I actually assumed that GABA was more like, uh, you know, sasakit yung chan mo. Like you'd, you'd have a stomach ache. That was my belief before when I was younger. I, I always thought, because my mother always related it with uh, food. <laughs> so uh, she would say, oh, busin mo yan. Gagabaan ka, sige. And I always thought that, you know, you get a tummy ache. But, you know, reading the literature, talking to more people about this term, it really is a punishment for, for doing something wrong, for transgressing or for offending 
social norms. And so how do we diagnose GABA? We say, how have you been acting? Ang ginawa mo? <laughs> and it's something because you know people don't usually like to to confront other people, diba? So we say, you know, just na bahala sa right? You will get what you deserve, kanyan. And so a person knows nagagabaan siya. And what does this mean? Now let's look at it in a holistic sense. Gaba refers to you know this this uh, divine retribution kulam refers to this you know um revenge some kind of uh, a form of magical justice right for for some kind of wrongdoing or offense and the encanto syndrome refers to you know you, your relationship with the world and if you offend you know these spiritual beings what is the encanto how do, what does it represent it represents our respect for nature we are in the context of nature. Itong mga espirito, these spirits, are our kapwa. Because di ba they are our ancestors? Ancestors din natin sila eh. So we are part of this relationship with spirits of the world. Nakikipagkapwa tayo with the spirits. So we want to respect them. Diba? And kulam naman refers to harmony with other people. You don't want to offend people. You shouldn't <laughs> offend people, di ba? And gaba naman refers to that connection with God or with spirits, with the universe, the divine. And so, all these terms refer to that relationship, that context. The larger context beyond just the individual. We are related to nature we are related to other people, and we are connected with God or with spirits. So looking back at the folk diagnosis, what, what happens? You know, you go to a folk healer. They're going to say, yung diagnosis nila is by trying to figure out who did you offend. Eh? That's what they usually do. So they'd have these uh, different ways of doing their divination to figure out what happened to you. So the question is, what did you do? What was the taboo? You know, that you, that you did. Who did you offend? What spirit? Or is it a person that you offended? And then you figure out, you know, what needs to be done. What should be done now? So you have to know, you have to identify uh, the spirit or the offending, uh, you know, the, the offended party. And then you figure out, what can I do to amend uh, this relationship, to fix this relationship? So, when we talk about illness or disease, it's, it's, you can't remove the individual from their relationship with nature and their context in society. So, wellness is actually a harmony of soul, nature, and community. And that's the end of the lecture. Thank you again for joining us today. If we don't meet in this lifetime... We will meet each other eventually when spirit returns to nature.